0: Odd Trails contains adult language and content. These stories can be frightening for some. Listener discretion is advised. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. just... Trust. Believe.
1: My great-grandpa took his own life by asphyxiation in 2009. I was seven years old at the time, and my parents didn't tell me that he had died back then. While he was alive, I remember walking past his house on my way home from school every day, and he'd wave at me and enthusiastically greet me every time he was sitting out on the front porch. Those few moments are pretty much all I can remember about him, but I still have yet to meet a person who radiated as much love and positivity as my great grandpa did. I remember being in a bad mood sometimes while I was on my way home, but whenever I walked past his home, he'd greet me, and I'd feel better pretty much instantaneously. He was really the kind of guy you'd want to spend time with. Every day. I'm pretty sure he memorized the times I'd walk by his house because, after two weeks of going to school, he greeted me every day. Until he didn't. Oh man, this story is quite hard to write. I've never written about this before, so I didn't think this would hit me in the feels so much. From one day to the next, he wasn't there anymore, and not seeing his kind smile... It left me feeling a little empty, to be completely honest. Oftentimes, I'd ask my grandma and my parents where he was, but they just said that he'd be back soon, and I'm glad that they did, because if I'd had found out that he was dead at such a young age, it would have left me quite broken. Alright, that was enough sadness for now. Let's continue the story. My parents and I moved away to a different country a few months after my great-grandpa passed away because of the looming dread of bankruptcy. My little brother was born in 2011. We visited our grandparents every year, and we still do. Now, it's about to get truly wild, so strap yourselves in. In 2019, during our annual visit, my little brother, who was playing in the yard, started screaming and bolted into the house, terrified. He said, There's a man in front of the garage. He's dressed in black and his head looks like this. He repeated that several times while doing a tilting motion with his head to the side. You can most likely guess by now what that implies. For your information... Even I didn't know that my great-grandpa died by hanging until this day, so how would my little brother, who never even knew him, know about it? He led us to the one-foot-wide opening next to the garage, which is used for storing bicycles, and he told us that the man was floating above two pairs of old black boots. Can you guess who those two pairs of boots belong to? Yes, they belonged to my great-grandpa. Take a moment to truly let that sink in. It's pretty crazy, isn't it? My deceased great-grandfather showed himself to my little brother, to his great-grandson, and I'm fairly certain that he just wanted to meet him, to see him just one time. Just goes to show what a kind-hearted man he was wanting to meet a family member he never had the chance to meet while he was alive. So yeah, after witnessing this incident, I concluded that spirits, or ghosts if you prefer calling them that, are real, and that they are not something people should be scared of, except if the ghosts are very active, because that means they are aggressive and malicious. I also have a story about my grandparents and the haunting that took place in their home once. It went so far that they had to pay a pastor to exercise their house. I'm not joking. But anyhow, I've written a lot, had a lot of fun too, and I hope you all enjoyed it. And one more thing. This story is not supposed to be scary. This is actually an attempt to brag about what a wonderful great-grandfather I had.
0: So I don't really know how to explain this, or even if it fits, or even what actually happened, if I'm being honest. But regardless, I want to try and relay the story. I was driving to work this morning, and I'm coming up on a side street that connects to a very busy road in my area. It's the main road that stretches through about 20 towns. I get to the red light at this main road and I sit there for about 15 seconds before seeing a car pull up behind me. As the car comes to a complete stop, my eyes drift from the rear view mirror to the stoplight in front of me. It was still red. I then look down to my radio clock and it says 7.36. And this is going to sound strange, but for a period of time that seemed to stretch... Until infinity. I kind of felt like this intense pressure all around me. Like I was zoned out. And I couldn't clear my head or move my body because I was obsessed with the numbers that I was seeing. I was like in a trance or something. It wasn't silent around me, but it was at the same time. Like, very loud. Pressing silence. I couldn't move, but I also wasn't trying to move. Almost like I was paralyzed with fear And I knew I was frozen, but couldn't really process it or even try to move. I don't know, I really can't explain it. Even now, it's so confusing to me. After who knows how long of being stuck in this trance, suddenly everything snaps back to normal. Instantly, the very first thing I register is that the person behind me is laying on their horn. I look up and I see that the light is green. I began to drive forward, feeling completely, 100% normal again, and once I get to the middle of the intersection, I sense this large presence to the right. I turn my head to look out, and just in time I see a huge truck coming right at me. It hits me, and I could feel my entire body break. I felt and heard so many of my bones get absolutely crushed. Suddenly, I'm upside down in my car, in so much pain I can hardly breathe, covered in glass. I hear somebody screaming. The last thing I remember before I passed out, about 10 seconds later, was seeing cop lights and distinctly thinking to myself, wow, how did they get here so fast? Now this is important. The next thing I remember I open my eyes and I'm sitting in my car. I'm at the red light. The intense pain I felt just a moment ago is fading fast, but it's still there. Almost like a ghostly version of itself, if that makes sense. It was just lingering. I'm intensely confused at this point, and I start looking around in this panicky way. My eyes trail across the clock again. It says 7.36. And I'm just beyond confused. I know it wasn't a daydream. It was so goddamn real. So I'm frozen in place, staring at the clock, trying to figure out what the fuck has just happened to me. After about 5 or 10 seconds, I hear the person behind me start to beep. But I'm shaking and I'm about to cry. I'm so overwhelmed with leftover fear that I can't even react. They start to lay on their horn and I still can't move. Confused and frightened. Now, at this point, I'm starting to calm down, trying to rationalize what actually happened. I was beginning to convince myself that it was just a daydream. It was early enough, and I was tired enough that I even started to think I had nodded off at the red light and I dreamed the crash. What else could have happened, right? If it weren't for what happened next, though, I probably would have been able to go the rest of my life, believing I had fallen asleep and dreamed it. The moment that the clock turned 737, like the very second that the numbers changed, a huge truck comes barreling through the light, definitely speeding. They ran their red light and crossed right in front of my car. A few seconds later, a cop car who must have been driving behind the truck in the first place runs the red light as well, turning his lights on in the process and beginning to pursue the speeding truck. They both drove out of my view within seconds. I was so shaken, I just pulled my car to the side of the road, right where I was, and I sat there in silence for I don't even know how long. Like, what normal explanation could I possibly come up with for this? There isn't one. I hadn't seen the truck or the cop before they ran the red light in front of me, so how did the dream crash I had include those very specific and very real details? The entire area I live in is covered in trees, so it's not like I can see very far down the road in either direction. I know for a fact I did not see the truck or the cop car before I experienced said crash. I'm still so shaken. How do I rationalize this experience to myself? I feel disillusioned by something, but I don't even know what. I feel like I'm going crazy. I needed to share this with people who won't automatically dismiss this as some kind of hallucination or dream.
1: I am a 24-year-old female and have lived in a small town in the same home my entire life. This was a home my parents built, so there is no previous history there. Most of my life, things were really quiet, or at least I just didn't notice. I was always the different one when it came to my siblings. I was more defiant and open to things, so I enjoyed a lot of things that my siblings did not. But as I got older, I became more aware of the fact that there is definitely more out there than we realize, or if you're my parents, that you're willing to admit. This story takes place when I was around 20. Things started small. I always felt like I was hearing things and seeing things out of the corner of my eye. But then things took a turn. I remember walking into my room one day and feeling so uneasy, like someone was in there with me. I looked around and saw no one, so I shrugged it off. Over the course of the next couple of weeks, that feeling never went away. Instead, it kept getting stronger and stronger. I kept noticing things being misplaced in my room, and things that would mysteriously disappear. Then one night, It all changed. I went to my room to go to bed, and I felt that feeling again, but this time it was almost suffocating. I tried to ignore it, but when I turned off my light and closed my eyes, the feeling was unbearable, and when I opened my eyes, that's when I saw him. There in the corner of my room, in the pits of darkness, stood a tall, black, shadowy figure I thought my eyes were playing tricks on me, so I kept looking around, but he never moved, never left. It's safe to say, I slept with my head under the blanket that night, and every night after that, he was there. During the day, it was the same feeling, and things were still disappearing or being misplaced, but I only ever saw him at night. It got to the point where I hated my room every night. I would see him, feel him. If I closed my eyes, I would feel him come to the side of my bed and stare down at me. But then I would open my eyes and there he would be, back in the corner. There was no escape. He was even in my dreams. I was terrified. I took every opportunity to not come home at night but if I had no option, I would make up some excuse as to why I slept on the couch. I only went into my room if I absolutely had to, even in the daytime. Worst part about it was, I don't think he liked it when I wasn't up there. Many nights, my dad would come down and ask what the hell I was doing in my room so late, because I was making so much noise. Thing is, I hadn't been up there at all. One night in particular, my dog was acting very strange. She was upstairs, repeatedly pacing the hallway, scratching and barking at my door, something she has never done in the past. My dad thought I was up there, and was surprised when he marched her downstairs to find me on the couch. Even then, she was pacing downstairs, almost like she was looking for something. It took me picking her up and putting her on the couch with me for her to finally calm down and sleep. I finally hit my breaking point when he started doing things downstairs to what felt like a measure to scare me back into my room. One night, I was on the couch watching TV and I heard the door that leads to the garage turn on and try to open. I was so overcome with fear I ran upstairs to grab my dad, sure of the fact that someone was trying to break in. Within seconds, my dad grabbed his firearm and was outside walking the perimeter of the house, but no one was in sight, and there were no signs that someone was trying to break in at all. He thought I was crazy, or just hearing things, but I know exactly what I heard. For six months this went on and I told no one. My family doesn't believe in this stuff so I wasn't even going to go down that road and I was scared that people would think I was crazy so I stayed quiet. But the whole time I was on edge. I couldn't sleep anymore and I just had enough. I had a friend who had recently opened up about her belief in the paranormal. We were hanging out one night and we made plans for me to stay the night at her house, but we had to come by my house so I could grab some clothes. But when I got up to my room and felt that oh-so-familiar feeling, I knew it was time for me to do something about it. But I wanted to see if I was actually crazy, or if she could feel it too. So I made some excuse for her to come up there, and when she did, it confirmed everything. She took two steps in my room and was like, whoa. I asked her what was up, and she explained that it felt so heavy in my room, and she did not like it at all. She asked me if I felt it too, to which I replied yes. It shook her so much that she had to go downstairs and wait for me. When I finished up, I explained to her what had been happening the past six months and she was astonished, but she believed me. We thought it would be best to get out of there so we could talk about it more openly. So back at her house, we stayed up all night, researching what this could be and how exactly to get rid of it. We looked for hours but with no clear answer. Thankfully, it never physically harmed or touched me, but I think that was due to the fact that I never interacted with it or provoked it. If I had, who knows how bad it would have got. All we did know was that it was very clear that whatever this was, was preying on my fear. So we decided to start from square one. One day when no one was home, I went up to my room and lit some incense my mom had and started to talk to it. I thanked it for never harming me, but I told it that this was my home, and it had no place here, and it was no longer welcome, and I demanded that it leave. After that, I recited a prayer that we found, and I left the incense burning in there for a while. There was still a lot of fear, but after a couple of days, I noticed that my room completely changed. It felt so much lighter and was so bright. With everything else happening, I never noticed how dark this energy made my room look. I felt like I could finally breathe again. After this experience, I didn't want to take any chances, so I washed all of my clothes and got rid of all the furniture in my room and replaced it, even went as far as getting a new mattress. I also rearranged everything and repainted my walls. But this experience changed me, even four years later. I don't spend much time in my room, and I still find myself sleeping on the couch. Now my room has become a dumping ground and not a place for rest. Still to this day, I have no idea what was haunting me all those months, or how it got there. But I pray... Every day that it doesn't come back.
0: I was 18 and living in a big house in a small village with my mom. We had a large garden with a designated area for our eight rabbits. Every evening, we would take turns to go out and feed the animals before it got dark. However, this particular evening, we had arrived home late, so it was already darker than usual. We agreed to feed the rabbits together because it can be quite creepy out in the garden alone at night. I went to the bathroom, and I told my mom that I would meet her out there in a minute. When I was done, I went straight into the garden where I heard my mom call. Jess, as she heard the door close behind me, I answered, yes. I saw her upper body pop up from behind the trampoline to make sure it was me. There were no outside lights, however. The combination of the moon, stars, and distant low light from the motorway was enough to illuminate the area to see quite clearly. I was only around 10 meters from her, so... I could see her face and her very distinct big curly blonde hair. She said, Okay, and bent back down behind the trampoline and continued feeding the rabbits. I looked down at the grass as I made my way to the bottom of the garden as not to step in any holes dug out by the rabbits during their runaround time. As I made my way down, I spoke with her about how naughty one of the rabbits was acting that day and it took me no longer than seven seconds to get to the rabbit area. As I approached behind the trampoline, where the rabbit's hutches were, I looked up and expected to see my mom standing right there, as I had just seen and spoken to her a few moments before. She wasn't there. I looked around for a few seconds, thinking that she might be hiding in order to give me a playful scare, when, to my horror, I heard the back door of the house close. I looked up quickly and I saw my mom walking out and into the garden. I immediately speed walked up that garden towards her so fast with total terror in my eyes. She asked me what was the matter and I explained to her, Jesus Christ, I'm never going down there again. I just saw you and I spoke to you and by the time I got down there, you were gone. She looked at me wide-eyed and assured me that she had been in the kitchen getting her shoes on. She isn't skeptical at all about these kinds of things and from the look on my face she could tell I had experienced quite a scare so she believed me straight away. We were both quite nervous about going back down there. However, the rabbits needed feeding so we had a nervous laugh and cautiously went down to feed them together. We had a look around and there was nothing there. I don't know who or what I spoke to in my garden. Maybe it was a glitch in the matrix, as they say, and my mom was from a different timeline and she appeared to feed the rabbits. Or perhaps there were some darker forces at work that night. I read a little bit about doppelgangers and how some people recognized them as a warning of death. Not long after this incident, half of my rabbits dropped dead. Within a few days of each other.
1: So basically, when I was a kid, about Nine years old, I remember a pretty horrible phase in my life where I would see shadow people everywhere. They were all people looking in shadow silhouettes. They would appear in my room and just stand there and observe me. They would also sometimes walk around. Some would approach me and try to give me things. There was a man with a hat that always tried to give me a box. He would often come to me and reach his hand out to me, with the box in it. I would also see random shadow faces pop up right in front of mine, randomly. They weren't necessarily scary looking, but to me, just the fact that they were there all the time was extremely terrifying. I was so scared my only solution was to ignore them. I was a kid after all, and I desperately hoped that they would go away and lose interest in me if I paid no attention to them. But they wouldn't. They were everywhere. It reached a point where I was basically at my mom's side all the time when she was home. And when she wasn't, I'd hide in my room under my blanket all day and wait it out. I can't remember exactly how long I was seeing those creatures, but to me, it felt like a never-ending nightmare at the time. I did tell my mom about it, but at first she brushed it off and said I'm just imagining things or trolling her. But it became more and more obvious that it wasn't the case. She came up with the idea that they were spirits, and that honestly just scared me even more. Spirits watching me? Hell no, what do they want? She got hooked on this thought of me being blessed with the gift of seeing spirits. So she sent me to a lady she found online who claimed to be able to do the same. I was so scared I just wanted them gone no matter at what price. I told her I wanted to be normal again and she said she could perform a ritual to make me not be able to see them anymore. I told her I wanted to be normal again and she said that she could perform a ritual to make me not be able to see them anymore. She laid me down and spoke some words I can barely remember now, and after the ritual, I was actually not seeing them any longer. At the time, I was just so happy they were gone, and I forced myself to never think of them again. She told me to not think of this anymore, as they might see it as a sign to come back to me. But after this, two big black dots started appearing on the walls of my room. One was just over my bed, and the other was on the other side of the wall, at the exact same place. It wasn't mold, just unidentified black coloration. We would paint over them, and they'd be back the next day. I got scared again, so my mom decided to give me another room in the apartment. After I switched rooms, they stopped appearing. For years, I brushed it off, ignored it, and pushed it away. It was just too scary for me to deal with. But lately, I've been wondering about what happened back then, a lot. I just don't understand it, and I can't find anything online similar to what I have experienced. I am an atheist and I believe in science. Yet, I have no possible explanation for this occurrence, other than that I wonder now if I might be sick somehow. But the wall? What about the wall? Ever since that ritual was performed, I never saw anything like it again, and I just can't comprehend why or how. I wrote this with the hope of maybe finding someone that went through something similar, willing to share their experience with me, or just general opinions on what this all could have been about.
0: This happened to me almost 10 years ago, in 2013. I was about 7 months pregnant and it was the night of my baby shower. My baby shower was earlier that day, and after the shower, my boyfriend, his cousin, and I all headed back to my boyfriend's apartment. We were all hanging out in the living room watching TV and just talking for a bit. My boyfriend's cousin was spending the night that night, and at around 10:30 p.m., I got tired of the guy I talk and decided that I would go to bed and lay down. I wasn't sleepy, but I just wanted to relax after a long day of being on my feet, spending hours chatting it up with people. I got up off the couch, told my boyfriend and his cousin I was going to go lay down, and then walked down the short hallway to my bedroom. I changed my clothes, turned off the lights, and laid my head down, right side facing the window, with my back to the bedroom door. I was like that, for a few minutes, but then I rolled over on my left side in an effort to find a comfortable position. My eyes were open wide as I turned over. When I settled onto my left side, I saw what appeared to be the shadow of a tall, thin man standing over me and watching me as I lay there in bed. I was caught off guard, but I wasn't afraid or freaked out at first because the shadow looked so real like I could reach out and touch a person standing in front of me. So I just lay there for a few more moments, staring at this figure and just thinking to myself, I knew this wasn't anyone currently in my apartment because my boyfriend is tall and he's not thin. This person standing in front of me wasn't my cousin, my cousin's short. Also, my bedroom door is closed, and I didn't hear anybody open it at any point. After I blinked a few moments later, the figure had disappeared. I was definitely freaked out at this point, and I got out of bed, opened my bedroom door, and headed toward the living room with a freaked out look on my face, but I didn't say a word. I walked down the short hallway and stood in the kitchen which connects to the living room. My boyfriend and his cousin were sitting on the couch when they looked over at me. Seeing my face, my boyfriend's cousin immediately asked, Are you okay? You saw something, didn't you? Now this is what freaked me out. Two reasons. One, without me even saying anything, he knew that I saw something, which means that he saw it too, and I wasn't going crazy. And secondly, he has a very long history of seeing supernatural things. You see, my boyfriend and his family are Dominican, and it is common in their culture to channel spirits And practice Santeria. My boyfriend's mom used to channel spirits, and his aunt still does. She has done it for some decades now. So, growing up, his cousin witnessed supernatural things quite frequently. So, I answered, Yeah, how did you know? He replied, Because I saw it too. My mouth dropped, but wanting to make sure that he saw what I saw, I asked, What did you see? A tall, shadowy man walked toward your bedroom. I was really freaked out at that point and refused to go back into that room alone, so I went to sit with them on the couch until my boyfriend was ready for bed a little later on. We all told our families what happened the next day, and a couple of days after that, my boyfriend's aunt came over to the apartment to check it out. She told us that the presence I saw in the apartment a few days ago was not an evil presence, but it was a person in my family who had died previously, and they were like a guardian to me. But guardian or not, I don't want to see ghosts. I don't want to see shadow people. So I asked her if she would tell them, thank you for protecting me, but please don't make themselves known to me anymore, because it scares me. She did just that, and then blessed the apartment, by burning sage it's been nine years and i haven't had another run-in with my guardian angel again but i do hope they're still at least watching over me and my nine-year-old son So I have a dream to share with you this week. I know we like to kind of dive into those every once in a while. I uh, I always have vivid dreams, most nights. So it's not really worth talking about them all the time unless there's one of a note. And usually that's just because it's a lucid dream or something that I find significant and interesting, but it's so rare that that happens these days. I did have a lucid dream and it was one of the shortest lucid dreams of my life. But the reason it was weird, and I don't know if this, is the case for everyone else out there or for you. My wife is never in my dreams, ever. Hmm. I don't know why that is. She's just never there. And when she she does pop into my head, when I think about her, she's never there physically, but I'll think about her in a dream. It'll wake me up. I'll be like, oh my God, I have a wife. Where's she at? Is she okay? And then I'll wake up. But she's never in my dream. I always realize that I have a wife and then I wake up. Like your actual wife or your dream wife? Because I've
1: had plenty of those. My actual wife. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I don't really dream about people that are super close to me. It's always like distant relatives or long lost friends. Mm -hmm. It's really weird how that's how they enter my subconscious. People who I don't even really think about day to day, but they creep into my dreams somehow. and It makes me wonder, like, should I reach back out to this person, see how they're doing? I think so. I I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. Maybe. Yeah, I have before and it it turned out for the better. So perhaps.
0: Perhaps. Anyway, this one was weird because she was in the dream and that's what triggered the lucid dream. So I wake up in my dream. I'm waking up on the floor and I'm like, why am I sleeping on the floor? And I'm on like this blow up mattress in this old gross looking apartment. And I'm like, this isn't my life. This isn't where I sleep. This isn't where I live. What's going on? And I sit up and my wife's there. She's standing up. She's like fully dressed and everything. And I'm like, this is a dream, right? Because this isn't my life. Our life is different. I felt that glitch in the matrix feeling that we hear in a lot of these stories. Mm-hmm. And it w- I thought about those stories, even in the dream, I thought about those stories. I was like, oh my God, it's happening to me. And I said, this isn't my life. This is a dream. And she goes, no, it's not. It's not a dream. And I said, no, really, this is a dream. And she goes, no, it's not. And I repeated to her again. She, and finally she admitted, her, her dream character of my wife, she admitted, okay, fine. And as soon as she said that, for some reason, I freaked the fuck out. I knew that it wasn't my wife and I knew that it was something evil or something bad, like trying to trap me Whoa. in the dream.
1: Yeah, that's a deception Trying right there. to trick
0: me into being in the dream, that it wasn't a dream. Mm-hmm. And I have noticed in past... Lucid dreams, dream characters try to do that. They try to trick me into thinking that it's not a dream and they want to keep me there. Almost like some kind of Nightmare on Elm Street type thing. And that be, that scared me so bad that I did this rolling technique that I kind of do when I practice out-of-body stuff where you can kind of like roll out of your body or roll back into your body. I did that and that woke me up immediately. And I, I woke my wife up and told her about it. And that it's just weird to me because that was the first time I ever saw my wife in a dream that I can remember so vividly at least. And it happened to be a lucid dream. And she happened to be a character trying to trick me into staying in my dream. I don't know what it all means.
1: Yeah. I don't know what to make of that. I know from my first lucid dream, I was walking around a mall in my hometown, which I don't live near anymore. And I saw my mother. And then I asked her straight up, is this a dream? And then her face lights up and she goes, Yes, that's when all of a sudden, this electric energy starts pulsating all around me and it becomes more real than real. You know that feeling when the lucid dreams are more real than reality? it's it's crazy. I know exactly
0: what you're talking about. I think you've told me this story before. I don't know if it's on the podcast or in person. I have, but. It may have been over the podcast, but either way, it's relevant now. Mm -hmm. And yes, I 100% know what you're talking about. And this is probably a story that I've told on the podcast before, too. But just a quick summary. I had one of those lucid dreams where I felt like I was wading through water as I was walking. Everything felt so vivid that I could feel the atmosphere. I could feel and see everything like I was on some heightened drug state. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, everything felt more real than ever before. I actually had a nightmare last night, not a lucid
1: nightmare, man, can you imagine those? I have had them. But I was in this like spherical maze vortex type of thing. Think of like a really, really small globe and it was like a grid format and I knew I had to escape it. But each step I took brought me farther and farther away from the entrance, I guess, or the exit for that matter. Sure. And I knew that I had to make the right sequence of my steps in order to escape it. And it got to the point where I just felt trapped. And I told myself, all right, I'm just going to die here. I don't care. I'm done. This is too taxing on my mental state. And then a voice from above was just like, no, you're you're stuck here. You're not going to sleep. You're not going to die. You're in this purgatory state until you escape this maze. It was so claustrophobic. It, uh man, I... I'm freaking out just thinking about it, honestly, but that's kind of how I imagine solitary confinement would be for some people without any sort of entertainment, any sort of interaction, just knowing you're stuck there forever. It was just really scary. I don't know how else to explain it. Hopefully that comes off as scary to you, but it was frightening
0: that's very scary to me and it it is somewhat connected to what i was saying where the the character or whatever in the dream was trying to keep you there trapped there it's such a scary feeling yep and i kind of know what you're talking about about like the certain number of steps like the patterns and stuff that happens in to me in dreams too it's kind of like an ocd thing in the dream that i can't really explain Mm -hmm. there are so many things about dreams that I wish I could understand what it means because they're recurring and they happen to so many people. Like this, we're you and I are talking about these things that we've never talked about really mm-hmm. in, in detail, and they're all lining up. They're it, it, it's all so similar. What is going
1: on? I think we fear a loss of control over our own lives and our destinies. That sounds really cheesy. No, no. But no. I think that I think it fits. I think it, it fits. totally fits. Just having having some overarching is it arching or arcing?
0: I think it's either one. I don't think that, I I think it's one of those, uh, it's a preference. Potato, potato, even though nobody says potato. I'm going to start saying potato. I'm going to go. We should both start saying potato. (laughs) When I go to a restaurant next time, I'm going to ask for the mashed potatoes. (laughs) When I was on a flight to London, this guy next to me,
1: he was like, can I get some potatoes? I was there with my dad. (laughs) We couldn't help ourselves. We both just started cracking up laughing. He said, potatoes. Potatoes. I'm not exaggerating either. It was so funny. He (laughs) emphasized
0: each syllable of that. Potato. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Potatoes. (laughs) Um, No, I don't think that it matters which one. I think that one's a preference. Um, What else do we have this week? Oh, did you hear about the serial killer? We've got a serial killer here in California. Yeah, it's a little close to home. Okay, so you did read about it. Um, So for those of you listening, if you haven't checked it out, if you're not in California, if it didn't show up in your feed, there, the police have been able to connect at least six—I think it's six—murders now to one person, which would technically be a a new serial killer, which isn't something that happens these days. It's not very fashionable. It's not very fashionable to have a serial killer in the 2020s. They thought that it was just a a series of killings. I think it was like five killings or something between early this year and recent. But they actually. We're able to use ballistics to trace another killing all the way back to April of last year. And it's always the same. It's the person will be out late at night by themselves. Mm. No robbery, nothing else besides a shooting. Like he just kills them and that's it.
1: That is strange. There's like no motive for no.
0: that other than wanting to kill. Like With other serial killers, there's always some weird story, something they do some weird stuff. They have an MO, they have... Uh, some weird obsession. A preference of some sort. Yeah, but th- there's no preference at all. It's just, it just it's just shooting people and disappearing. Yeah. There is some footage of like a figure with like a hood on on an all dark. Yeah, the clothing. person of interest. Yeah, a person of interest like in footage like mm-hmm. walking away from one of the crimes, I guess. But we don't have a lot of information. The most of the killings were in Stockton, California, but there was one in Oakland that they've connected to the same guy. Um I really hope we catch this guy because uh, obviously I don't want people to die but it is interesting in, in a macabre way the fact that somebody's out there killing people with no real motive I think that makes it scarier because you don't know if you're on their hit list or exactly. not Exactly you could just be out late at night and it doesn't matter who you are what you look like what you've done they're just coming for you that's terrifying I I, yeah. I don't even want to think about it. I mean, I'm 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 a couple hours away from this area, but just the thought that he's spanning outside of Stockton, going to Oakland, like is this what's going on with this guy? Yeah. I don't care who you are, where you're from, what you did. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> Backstreet Boys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as long as you love me. And I do wholeheartedly. <laughs> um. So and it's, and it's interesting that this comes up at the same time that the whole Dahmer TV show controversy is happening right now with uh, you know, yeah. all of, all of the victims, families being upset that the TV show was produced and uh, put out there. But I do have to say, like, I, I can't help it. I it just, it's just because I'm a human and we love to look at a train wreck. We love to look at the scene of a crime. That's just how we are. It's how we're wired. Of course. I had to watch it. I I couldn't not watch it. Um, It's all the rage. And uh, I did think that it was really well produced. As sad as it is for all of the families of the victims, I understand. I would hate to see that. I would absolutely hate to see uh, a, a TV show showing every detail of what happened to my dead family member. That's super messed up. The one with the man who was hearing impaired
1: for some reason, that one really, really struck me. It broke
0: my heart. Yeah,
1: I was really hoping this was one that got away. Mm-hmm. And just all the scenes when they were speaking in sign language, it just really brought me into the characters.
0: I mean, they did their job. They did a very good job with it because of that, because we felt all those emotions. Exactly. So it was mm-hmm. a good show. It just sucks that the, the content was true yeah and that people truly suffered from this and are still suffering from that it's it sucks it's it's such a weird double-edged sword because we love this kind of entertainment but it's also we feel guilty for it we feel bad for it right I, i will say i
1: think they did do a good job capturing the plight that Dahmer had on these communities, Mm -hmm.
0: it's good to highlight those things rather than just, hey, look at this cool serial killer shit. Isn't this gruesome? Yeah, I will say I learned a ton because I I've never been that like a serial killer obsessed type of person when it comes to true crime and stuff. I I was just never too interested in that kind of stuff. I've always been more interested in Um, stories like from let's not meet or Mm -hmm. supernatural stories, serial killers and all that stuff. It just never really, uh, struck a chord with me. Mm -hmm. So this was really interesting for me because I've never been into that stuff. And it kind of sent me on a path of, for the last week or two of listening to true crime podcasts and learning more about serial killers and stuff. And I do find it super interesting and terrifying. It is. I like it from a psychological
1: point exactly. of view more than yeah. wanting to hear about gruesome murders. I just like the psychological aspect the
0: most. I've actually had to turn a couple off just because they were so gruesome. Mm-hmm. But it is super interesting. But I, I had to bring that up because it, this should be big news. This should, people should be talking about this all over right now. This is insane.
1: Absolutely. How to not repeat these mistakes in the system exactly. that allowed him to continue on that horrible, horrible spree. Yeah, I did want to touch on a small portion of one of the stories I narrated. Mm -hmm. The author mentioned something along the lines of if ghosts are very active, that means they are aggressive and malicious. That's okay. (laughs) First of all, I politely disagree. (laughs) And I also ask for our listeners not to shoot the messengers, i.e. us, if you don't agree with the author's statements, because, yeah, who who's to say if the active ghost is malicious or not? We really don't know. Nobody knows for certain. We're just passing along the stories as we receive them. And we want everybody's voice to get
0: heard. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, that's it. Nothing really <laughs> else to say. No, that's a good <laughs> statement. That's really good. Um, I also have uh, one last bit of news. My haunted doll has arrived. Oh, yeah. Pickles, Pickles. Pickles is here. Um so I didn't know this but pickles also came on a little swing. So I get to actually just like mine. Yeah, so I get to hang pickles from from the ceiling here in the office. Pickles is going to be in all of the shots in my live streams going to be back here in the corner so everyone can see. Nice. Um man, my wife ran outside as soon as really? as soon as I opened the box and pulled pickles out of the box. She ran outside. She was like, "Nope, nope, nope. Put it in your office. I don't want to see it." So this will be keeping my wife out of my office forever. I was about to say, there you go. There you I'm going to have all the alone time I need because my office is now
1: haunted. I should bring over Pierre, my little clown thing, sitting on a swing, and then we can have him do doll sex like Barbies. <laughs> Just
0: matching them together. My cousin yeah. used to do that with her Barbies and my G.I. Joes because I had those tall G.I. Joes. She would make them get oh, married yeah. and she would like smash them together. She's like, ah, they're mm-hmm. in sex. I'm like, don't do that to my G.I. Joes. Yeah. That's gross. You didn't consent to that, yeah. Mary Ann.
1: Yes. Mary <laughs> Also, also, some of you may have seen on Instagram, I sent out that batch of stickers I promised. Mm-hmm. It was quite a bit more than 10. I think I counted like... 30, 40. I really don't know. I posted one picture, then had another handful after that. But if you didn't get one, it's okay. I'm setting up a Google form, gonna post that on our Instagram and maybe in the show notes too and you can just order one. Just PayPal us, whatever the total is. I think it's going to be about $2 a sticker. Hell yeah. And that's just so we can break even. We're not making any profit off of this. I don't mind spending my time writing these out and sending them in the mail. Just don't want to lose money over it. You know what I'm saying? So thank you all for your interest and stay tuned if you want your sticker.
0: Hell yeah. I love that for you and I love that for them. Same, same. Sent with care. (laughs) Sealed with a kiss. Thanks everybody for listening. This week you have heard. An emotional ghost story by Doom. Experienced a car crash this morning that didn't actually happen by Alex Sang That. He watches me sleep by Impossible Chance 104. Who or what did I speak to in my garden by Miss Princess Pig. Seeing Shadow People as a kid by Lenny And finally, Shadow Man by Stephanie. All the stories you heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of the respective authors. Make sure you send your stories to stories at oddtrails.com if you'd like to hear them on the show. And don't forget to sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash odd If you want to get ad free versions of all of our episodes at a higher bit rate for the best listening experience. And last but not least, don't forget to check out the new episodes of my other podcasts at crypticcountypodcasts.com like Let's Not Meet and the Old Time Radiocast. We'll see y'all next week. Stay safe. Peace out.